You know what? In the morning, it's starting to get cold. And you know what the best way to start off a cool morning is? A cup of Boyer's coffee. Don't you think? That's how I start out my day. What have you been slacking? I have not been slacking. I've been starting off my day with Boyer's Coffee. You can find it in your local grocery store, King Supers, Safeway. You can find it at Walmart. You can go to boyerscoffee.com. But as we've been telling you, an exciting moment in Boyer's. It's the moment I think, Drew, we've all been waiting for because their cafe grand opening, it is this Friday. As we tape on Wednesday, which is the second, they're opening this Friday, September 4th. It's their mobile cafe. And you can also purchase bag coffee from their coffee cottage. If you want to stop by, it's 73rd in Washington, normal hours, 6.30am to 4pm starting this Friday, and then business as usual starting on Tuesday. The cool thing about that, I know not everybody gets to go in that neighborhood, but if you do, you can go in, get a cup of coffee, you can buy some coffee there, and you can sit outside. Doesn't that sound lovely? It sounds lovely. They have great coffee, and they are local, and we like to support local. Boyer's Coffee, go and visit them or go. Buy them at your local grocery store. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Drew and Julie discuss the Rockies' 23-5 drubbing by the Giants. Warning, this episode contains strong language. That was a freaking shit show. Lots of it. It was a shit show. There's no other way to describe <laughs> it. But the Rockies are still in the hunt. With 23 games left. What will they need to do in the final three weeks? 12-11 and 11 at the minimum. And Rockies closer Daniel Bard tells Drew about his journey back to the big leagues and how he's helped other players one bad thought or one negative emotion you know spirals out of control and my perspective is a little different and i've learned some tools different mindfulness things and just being able to slow your slow your thoughts down you know even in a big moment like a like a major league game this is the drew goodman podcast with julie brownman as we tape on this wednesday julie the rockies friggin came back and won a game that they absolutely positively close to must 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 win and they got it. Woohoo! Yeah, it was they were down 6 to 1. That's when I tuned in and I went, "Whoa." I almost I left. I almost, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it I could not believe this cuz on Tuesday, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Tuesday, 23 to 5 the Rockies lose. Is that going to happen not like that? But is it, are you going to get your ass kicked in some ball games during the course of a season even if you're the Los Angeles Dodgers? Yes, it happens. But you you know, you lose 11 to 2. Yeah. You you lose 13 to 4. 23 to 5. Now, I am not a professional broadcaster anymore, so I get to say that was a freaking shit show. It was a shit show. There's no other way to describe <laughs> it. I mean, if if you were talking to Buddy in the middle of the game, Buddy would go, "This is a shit show." <laughs> Buddy cannot stand. I mean, he has such great respect for the game and the players and, and, and quote, a lot of the unwritten rules. Mm -hmm. And he does not like to throw a position player in a mm -hmm. game. It got to the point where he had Drew Butera throw the last inning and two thirds. And this is how bad a night it was, Julie. Drew Butera was the most successful pitcher the Rockies threw last Woo! night. He's the backup catcher. <laughs> is that just to, it's like sometimes in hockey when your goalie is just getting freaking shelled. I mean, just dominated. Kind of like Ben Bishop did in game five. Exactly. Yes, to talk a little bit about hockey. Do, are you just taking him out to, to save the psyche of that, of the goalie? Are you just not going into any more closers because it's like we can't do this to the guys? Yeah, at that point, you don't want to burn arms for the next day. 
and there's no coming back. It's not like, yeah. hey, we can even course field. We can put a rally together like the Rockies did today because mm-hmm. it started out, Julie, after giving up 23 runs on 27 hits. They set all kinds of records. The Giants have been around since 1883. Oh, God. 1883. <laughs> the first time in Major League history, Giants, Mets, Rockies, Yankees, everybody included, that three guys on the same team in the same game had six RBIs. In a game. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And then lo and behold, Wednesday starts and you're like, okay, you know, shower off yesterday's history. Let's get off to a good start. Kyle Freeland's on the mound. Kyle's had a terrific year so far. It's four nothing. Uh, Kyle's threw 43 pitches in the first inning. It's four nothing. You're like, am I watching the same movie I watched last night? So to see the Rockies, and it, it started slow. It wasn't like bang, 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 they got back in. It was 6-1 mm-hmm. uh, in the middle innings, then it was 6-2. Seventh inning, the Rockies really put a significant rally together and was really cool. Kevin Pillar, with the Rockies down by a run, against the team he played for last year, booms a triple to, to deep left center field to tie the game and give the Rockies the lead. They end up tacking on a Sam, Sam Hilliard opposite field uh, two-run homer. And they win at 9-6. Daniel Bard, who will be our guest in a little bit, got the save. 1-2-3 in the ninth, blowing 99 with that great slider of his. And I mean, his story is so wonderful. He's now 4-4 four for four in save opportunities. But, Julie, I, I don't want to get apocalyptic. But the Rockies go to L.A. after a day off on Thursday. And you know it's going to be tough. And then it's on to San Diego. And they're as good as anybody in mm-hmm. baseball. They've really mm-hmm. become a terrific team almost overnight. And and you're thinking, man, two losses like that, and now you're three games under 500. You know, it, it could be almost stick the fork in them unless unless something out of the ordinary happens. That was a huge win. It was, and it was cool watching the broadcast. It was cool watching them come back, but then also because there's no fans in the stands, you can't hear the guys in the bullpen. You know, out there like tapping their hands on the fences. You can hear the yells. You guys showed a lot of shots of in the dugout guys actually really excited because I think they probably knew like they were probably feeling horrific from that loss. And then they, you start out like that. They were genuinely excited about what they saw. We're seeing there was great enthusiasm because, you know, you can talk about it all you want, but sports about put up or shut up right mm-hmm. in, in life. You got to, you know, you can talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk and and they feel like they've, you know, grandly underachieved since the terrific start they got at eleven and three. And, you know, they righted the ship a little bit last week. They they played well down in Arizona. Um, but by and large, over the last three weeks, it's been bad. And to the point where you're like, our our chance to go to the postseason it could be slipping away. And and then you have like that the night they had losing twenty three to five, and then you start out and you're down four nothing. I don't care who you are. Human nature says what is going on. So it was cool to see, as you said, the enthusiasm in the dugout and and the genuine, I guess, great feeling that that win, that comeback win, produced. I know baseball fans will know this, but maybe people that aren't following as closely, there's three weeks left to go in the in the regular season, right? And I it mean, started three weeks ago. And it started three weeks ago, yeah, which is crazy um, that we're at this point right now. So, but this year there's different, you know, rules as to who they're taking in in to the playoffs. So it's the top; it's eight teams in each league. So we were talking before we were taping. If the Rockies don't grab one of those spots, it's going to be really tough to swallow. 
right? I mean, there's a, a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, here's how I look at it. I love to a man what was said in spring training, and, and forget verbiage. You could tell just by actions early in the original spring training, and then when the Rockies got together again for summer camp, this team had a singular focus as if to say, we are the team you saw in 2017 to 2018. We're a postseason team. We're a damn good team. 2019 was an aberration. And they came out and played like it the first couple of weeks, starting 11-3. and three. Now, are, were they going to go 11-3 and three in the next uh, 14 games? No. I mean, it's baseball. It's hard, it's hard to do that. Um, so if, if this season does not end in a playoff berth – it's going to be disappointing, I think, on three fronts. One, because you had this great focus, this great you know, togetherness to get back to the postseason. Then you start 11-3, and three, and if, if they don't make it, hugely disappointing because you gave yourself a huge leg up. And then the third component of that is that for this year, at least, we don't know what the future holds in terms of the playoff format, but Julie, there's eight teams going. All of a sudden, Major League Baseball has gone the way of the NBA and the NHL, where more than half the teams go to the postseason. Eight teams out of 15 in the National League, eight teams out of 15 in the American League. Mm -hmm. So if you're not among the top eight out of 15, by not making it, you're saying you're in the bottom half by performance. So that, if you add all those things up, it would be a tremendous disappointment if the Rockies somehow um, don't make it to the postseason. And I don't think there's any other way to spin it. I think out of all those reasons, I think the first one you mentioned makes the biggest impact on me because you know that they want to believe that they are the team. They're not last year's team. They're the team before that that made the playoffs, that had made the playoffs, what, two years in a row, that this the franchise was turning in the right direction. Because it looked like it was right, so and they have and they have very good talent, and, yeah, and they believe that they have good talent. It's hard in baseball, especially in 162, Julie, to say, "Oh, it was a fluke that some team wins 90 plus games and got into the postseason." It was not a fluke, and you remember 2018, the Rockies finished in a dead heat with the Dodgers. They lost Game 163 this time, and then they. They won that great game, that extra inning game in Chicago at Wrigley Field. And mm -hmm. then they went to Milwaukee and they scored two runs in the series. Big disappointment, but they made the division series. They do have a lot of talent. And and that would add to the disappointment. And we'll see how it plays out these next few weeks. But, you know, if if you were to fall short, you probably have to really take a, you know, a large step back and, and evaluate where you are because then it's two years in a row and it's coupled with the great start you got off to. Um, so How does the schedule look like the rest of the way? I know they've got to come up with Dodgers. Yeah, it's going to be tough because, Julie, you play the Dodgers seven times in the, in the final three weeks of the season. Yeah. You play the Padres next week out there. You still have to play Oakland two more times. The Rockies are two and zero against Oakland, but Oakland's one of the best teams in baseball. Um, you know the Angels have have underachieved for a while, but you know you still got Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and it's you know it's it, they've got a lot of talent, so they're going to have to earn their way in. Uh, I think it'll take no less than thirty wins, which would be five hundred. Uh, I think to feel safe, you really probably want to be thirty one, thirty two would be great. And after their win, as we tape again today on this Wednesday, they have 18 wins. 
with 23 games left. So, you know, 12 and 11 at the minimum. What are you more concerned with? Is it um, because the 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 season started with such great pitching? It's faltered a bit. A bit is nice. Um, But the hitting has been really inconsistent, right? I'm I'm most disappointed in the Rockies' offense. Um, thankfully, they came through today. Yeah, and a lot of guys contributed. Charlie, who who you know you can't had hit 500 huge, all year. Yeah. He had a huge, he was behind 02 and turned on a 98 mile an hour fastball, hit it off the the scoreboard. Big big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Nolan still hasn't really gotten going yet. Uh, Trevor, after the day off yesterday, uh, threw out three hits today. Trevor's been really solid all year. Pilar gave them a lift. Uh, you know, Sam Hilliard, the opposite field home run. But you thought this offense would be better, especially at home, because the Rockies always hit at home. But they haven't they haven't bludgeoned the ball at home. Uh, the starting pitching was tremendous for a while. They've taken some hiccups uh, lately, still out on the road. Uh, they have the second-best ERA in the National League out on the road. So they've pitched well away from Coors Field. You're always going to take your lumps at Coors Field. I would say – yeah, lately the pitching hasn't been hasn't been great, um, hasn't been good. Not there's no other way to describe that. Um, but if I had to say which would be a bigger disappointment right now, it's been the offense, and and it needs to get rolling. And and they have you know three weeks to to start putting good innings together on the offensive side of things. One person who has not been a disappointment at all, who's been a great story, is Daniel Bard. And you talk to him, and we're going to hear from him a little bit later in the show. But first, I think everybody. We'll love the conversation with Daniel Bard. I think a lot of you know his story. It is an absolutely fascinating one of somebody overcoming an enormous obstacle. We'll get to that in a little bit, but we're going to tell you about uh, Steel. S-T-I-H-L, Steel Power Tools and Equipment. I use them. I have them throughout my garage. It does not matter what kind of project you have. If you're cutting down a tree, if you're uh, you know, taking uh, a camping trip and you want a smaller chainsaw, they have so many different ones, whether it's electrically powered or gas powered. Uh, if you're just a, a mom and pop operation or if you're a big company, Steel provides S-T-I-H-L and they have over 9,000 locations in the country. Steel is also the official handheld outdoor power equipment of the Colorado Rockies. Go to your local steel dealer to find gas, electric, and battery-powered tools to get the job done inside and outside the home. You know what I think our steel power drive is going to be this week, Drew? What do you have? I think it's going to be our steel power drive is going to be the additions that the Rockies made at the trading deadline. The Rockies were not quiet. They made uh, a couple of, I think, fairly significant moves. One was to pick up Michael Givens, who's for a long time has been uh, a late-inning guy, and he's closed games for the Baltimore Orioles. He's thrown in the mid-'90s. He was on Team USA with Nolan uh, a couple of years ago in the WBC. Uh, I like the pickup for two reasons. One, it, it helps them this month as they try to make the postseason. The bullpen's taken on some uh, some water, and they also have him for next year because he's what's known as arbitration eligible. So it wasn't just a, a one-month rental. They'll have him for all of next year also. And then they picked up a guy who's not only a good player, but he's a Tude guy. T-U-D-E-E. Like attitude? T-U-D. Yeah, he's got Tude. 
He's like a Drew guy. He's well, you thank you. Um, <laughs> he's an energy guy. He's yeah. a chip on the shoulder guy. And you know how much I love chip on the shoulder guy. I mm-hmm. take chip on the shoulder guy over That's pretty a guy. By the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've said this all the time. I've said it on the air. I've said it with teams I've coached. I will take chip on the shoulder guy over pretty guy every day of the week. He's, you know, he went to a Division II school, Cal State Dominguez Hills, Kevin Pillar, and he, he'll run through a wall. He's good offensively. Uh, you know, last year he had 21 home runs with the Giants. He'll steal a base. He had a huge impact today. He crashed into the wall, made a catch in center field, threw out a single in the two-run triple we described earlier, had a stolen base. He brings an energy, and he brings, as I said, a toot. So I like, I like this pickup both pickups uh, for the Rockies. Speaking of energy, there's been a lot of talk around the team just about pressure. No one's talked about it a little bit. I know Daniel Bard, who we're about to hear from, he talked about it a little bit. And I'm wondering if the pressure is getting a bit to this team. I hear in the background, and Mark, you'll dump this in, Billy Joel's famous song, Pressure. Pressure. How about Queen's song? I'm not as familiar with that. I'm okay, he, Mark, you got to do both now. Okay. I don't know how he's going to do it, but yeah. Mark, you'll pull it off. Mm-hmm. Pressure comes in sports, and some is self-induced. Some is this is the moment. Mm-hmm. And how athletes ultimately deal with pressure, just like in everyday life, how do you deal with pressure, um, tells the tale of in everyday life, how content and how happy we are. And from an athletic performance standpoint, how successful we are is how we can slow things down when pressure gets to us. And every human being, as we know, is made up differently. Even the greatest of athletes may deal with anxiety. Daniel Bard has dealt with anxiety to the point where for a period of time, he couldn't throw the baseball anywhere near his target. And it forced him out of the game. And how he's overcome that is a fascinating tale. And you'll hear from Daniel in a little bit. But even great, great players who have seemingly dealt exceptionally well with pressure in the past can struggle with it again. And I say it's compounded in baseball because baseball is a team sport, but it's a one-on-one confrontation. You're on the mound. I'm at the plate. We're down by two runs, and there's runners at second and third, and there's two outs. If I come through, we probably tie up the game. Can you slow that moment down? But I'm also talking about self-pressure um, that one puts on themselves. And I am a huge fan of Nolan, but I think Nolan would tell you he puts a tremendous amount of pressure on himself, right? More so than maybe – and his teammates will say that, that he's just he just lives baseball. So I'm wondering if like one of the next steps for Nolan, and he's a phenomenal player, generational player, we say that, maybe is just getting used to what to do with that and not let it – it's not debilitating, but not let it get to the core because I have a good feeling it gets to the core of him. I bet you, and I have no idea because I, we don't have the same access yeah. because of what we're all going through. To be able to ask Nolan if he's had conversations with Daniel Bard. Mm-hmm. I mean, this season's such a, a sprint um, because Daniel has 
tools that he utilizes to slow things down. And Nolan, who, as you said, is a phenomenal talent. He's one of the best players in baseball. He hasn't had a great season so far, and maybe he has put so much pressure on himself because he knows he has to produce, and he and he always has, but the pressure mounts when you don't have the success you're accustomed to. And how do you start to overcome that? How do you slow it down as opposed to looking and go, man, you know, I'm, I'm two for my last 20 with runners in scoring position. I'm not helping this club, and the club's losing. Easier to deal with, Julie, when the team was 11-3. and three. Yeah. Harder when we're losing and I'm not performing well. I'm not holding up my end of the bargain. So let's get to that interview with Daniel Bard so you kind of have some context as some of the stuff that we're talking about. And we can kind of pick this up after and maybe apply it a little bit to Nolan. This is the interview that we brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. It's Daniel Bard. Daniel, your story has, uh, has been told now several times over the last uh, couple of months. Is it this is kind of a strange one. Is it is it a source of pride for you to retell it, or is it almost becoming uh, onerous to to keep telling the same story? I don't think I'm allowed to say that, am I? <laughs> no, it's uh, I don't mind telling it at all. I mean, it's something that you know I obviously worked at for a long time, and and through a weird twist of fate, you know, uh, ended up back playing this game. And uh, no, I mean, I I want to use my story not just. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to enjoy it and, and make the most of it personally and for my family. But also, you know, if, if it can offer hope or, you know, inspiration to anybody else going through, you know, all the different things people go through, then, then I'd, I'll tell as many times as I need to. You know what I think one of the wonderful things is about, you know, there's, there's enough bad stuff going on in the world right now, clearly. But one of the, one of the things that uh, I think where we've made great advances as a society is how people deal with, with various mental health issues. Because most people, not some people, most people deal with some something. And for people to come out, especially people who are in the spotlight like yourself and say, yeah, I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with this. And to be able to, you know, help out, for, forget fellow major leaguers or professional athletes, but just, you know, a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, uh, maybe struggling in some way. That's, that's got to be important to you. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I was able to work for a couple of years. I wouldn't say the mental health field. I was, mental skills was definitely the department. More um, kind of peak, peak performance psychology and sports performance psychology, that kind of stuff. But it all ties together. Um, it's all related and, and, you know, I was able to work with and help some people who had, you know, I want to say more serious, but, you know, definitely some issues that I wasn't fully equipped to deal with. And that's when, you know, more professionals, uh, people who are more adept at, at dealing with that would step in. But it gave me, you know, what I went through and definitely there was definitely uh, some anxiety there uh, for some of those years, uh, pretty severe at times. Um that made baseball not a whole lot of fun to play. It wasn't even fun to be around a baseball field for a long time for me. So um, haven't felt some of them, haven't talked to a lot of people going through similar stuff. And you just kind of, you can't help but develop a heart for that and, and um, you know, want to help as many people as you can because it's just like, especially once you've kind of felt what it's like to be on the other side of it and realize that there are some, some uh, steps you can take to, 
feel better and make life a little bit easier. Daniel, when did it emerge? I mean, is this something, you know, as a, as a middle schooler, as a, as a, you know, high school athlete you dealt with, or did it seemingly come out of uh, proverbial left field? Uh, you know, I think it's, it, if anything, it was just kind of something that was in my personality. Um, you know, I think I was really gifted as a baseball player from a young age, but I always felt the pressure to live up to those expectations. I really wanted to, you know, live up to them and impress people. And, um, you know, I was always taught by my parents to be humble, but I wanted to let what I did on the field speak for speak for itself. So when things weren't going well on the field, I felt a lot of anxiety, a lot of a lot of pressure to make the next one really good. Um, kind of felt that my whole my whole life, I think, growing up. Um, but it was just something where I was, you know, still talented enough where I could kind of overcome it. And it wasn't until, you know, two years, several years into my pro career that, you know, I couldn't overcome it. And it's just, you know, it was kind of, it was affecting me off the field a lot. It was affecting me from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed. And um, that's when I realized, like, this is more than just, you know, a small baseball thing and something that really sent me down a path of trying to um, make my life better and then eventually, you know, learn some things that I was able to to share with people when I was coaching and and try to make their lives a little bit better. Quick timeout. We'll continue with Daniel Bard, tell you about our friends at Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's company, 19-plus years in the business. Interest rates are fabulous right now. They take wonderful care of their people. It's why they've had so much repeat business through the years. I have my hand raised. I'm a repeat offender going and seeing them. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. Ideal home loans. If you're purchasing a new home, it's a no-brainer. If you're refinancing, I strongly would uh, tell you to do that right now. I'm doing it. Give them a call, 303-867-7000. If you're consolidating debt, they'll find out the right program for you by interviewing you, by listening to you, and they'll make it super easy. They are terrific, ideal home loans. And now back to our interview with Daniel Bard. Gina, you've told the story about how you know, less than a year ago, you were throwing with your brother who's with the Angels and, you know, and another buddy back home and, and you wanted to see what it looked like. Did you already have an idea that you had overcome your anxiety or whatever you were going through that kind of prevented you from throwing the baseball cleanly? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I knew it felt different for sure. Um, I could just tell by the way I felt, the way my, you can tell by the, the direction your thoughts are going when you're doing those activities and, uh, I could tell it was different. It wasn't completely absent, but it was way different uh, to the point where I, you know, like you said, I was I was just curious and I wanted to see what it felt like on a mound. Uh, as much as as much as anything, just to try to like see if I could continue to use what I was learning to try to help help the players that I that I worked with. It became a journey of trying to trying to figure this out and why why it happens to some people and doesn't happen to others and all that stuff. Were you at all, I don't know if concern's the right word, curious how it would work when adrenaline's flowing? And I know there's no fans now, but still, when, when you get out there, I'm sure you're a lot of times oblivious to the fans when, when you're playing in a major league game because you're focused on getting you know, some, some hitter out who's one of the best in the world. Um, were, you, were you concerned at all, though, that how that would work once you got out there? You know, I wouldn't say concerned. You know, I mean, I'm aware that anything can happen at any time. Um, I think I've, at this point, I've just put in enough, enough devoted a lot of time and a lot of effort to, you know, 
kind of controlling my thoughts and being able to steer the direction of my emotions and, and thoughts um, a lot better than I could when I was younger. Because um, I think that's where we all get in trouble is one bad thought or one negative emotion, you know, spirals out of control and turns into, you know, that anxious feeling or whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with. And um, I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is my perspective is a little different. And I've learned some tools, different mindfulness things, and um, just being able to slow your slow your thoughts down. You know, even in a big moment like a, like a major league game, uh, still have those tools that you can turn to at any time uh, that you need them. You know, the irony, and and you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Is when you come in the game and you guys have such a hard role. Uh, especially, you know, protecting leads, whether it be the A's, but particularly as you know better than anybody, getting the 25th, 26th, 27th out. Um, I I look at your stuff, and I and the last thing I think of is, well, he may add some traffic. Where there are other guys, that, you know, who've held that role, and you go, okay, nasty stuff, but there may be a walk or two in there. I don't, not not to share what I think, but I'm just saying as a, as a broadcaster, I don't even think about that when you're on the mound. I guess. The, there's some irony in that. No, I mean, it's been crazy. You know, I mean, I think it's just sometimes, you know, when I step up and step back and take like a 30,000 foot view of everything that's gone on, it's crazy that, you know, I've been able to do the things I have this year. But when I'm in it, you know, on the day-to-day basis, going through my work and then preparing to go in the games and then taking them out, it's not amazing at all. You know, it's like what you expect because, you know, I've been able to, I think really just stay in the moment throughout my work and throughout those those situations in the game to where, um, you know, I, it allows my body to do what, what I've trained it to do rather than, you know, letting my head get in the way. And, Daniel, I've heard you, I've heard you say this uh, in other interviews that your stuff is very similar to what it was when uh, you were one of the top setup guys in baseball with the Red Sox. And, do you attribute that to you? You're just you. You know, you've been blessed with gifts, and you also worked your tail off. Or some of it, the the fact that you laid off for a while, and now you're in mid thirties, you still close. You know, still throw basically ninety eight to a hundred, and with a nasty slider. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I can't say for sure what to attribute it to. Um, you know, I, I do those years where I was struggling um, in the minor leagues, trying to get back. You know, one thing I really focused on was making sure my body was as strong as possible. Um, and I'm never going to be a big, big jacked guy like uh, like Kinley or Hiro or Esty, but um, for me, you know, I know it's strong for my for my body. And um, you know, I kind of made that a focus in those years. And I think the knowledge and the stuff that I learned, in addition to just the strength that I was able to gain through those years. Uh, is paying off now. Yeah, the two years off definitely doesn't hurt. Um, some people, you know, I, I tried not to let myself get too out of shape, but I not because I was planning on coming back. It was just, you know, didn't want to get the dad bod. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it feels good now, and I'm just trying to maintain what I got. And, yeah, a, a couple quick ones on, on your your team and your new teammates. Um, you guys have had some moments down there in the pen, and, and you have some young guys. I'm sure you can mentor, and, and some of the guys you mentioned, and Jairo and Carlos Estevez, and you, and you add a Michael Gibbons um, to the uh, to the pen down there. Is is that exciting for you? Oh yeah, man. We we were we were all excited to meet him yesterday, and uh, you know, already just watching him play catch. I mean, the guy 
that that arm action is so unique and get so much velocity out of it. It's going to be fun to watch. And, uh, you know, obviously I think he's, he's having a great year so far. And, um, you know, anything he can add to this bullpen is going to be going to be exciting and, and fun to watch. I know you guys got off to a great start, and, and uh, you certainly had a rough week in there, and, and now you're, you're basically a 500 club with, uh, I know it's the craziness of this season, you know, three and a half weeks to go. Uh, what what is the mindset of the club now that you realize you're into the the final the final sprint, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've kind of had a roller coaster of a season a little bit so far. Um, but yeah, it's left us right at 500. And you know, if you look at the way the playoffs are set up this year, I mean, that, that that's probably going to be good enough to get in the playoffs. And uh, not that you want to settle for that, but I would like to see. I think this team at times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, to be perfect, you know, whether that's on the mound or in the box. And I would, you know, I think talent wise, we, we are right there with anybody in this whole league. And, um, you know, I'd like to see us just relax and trust our abilities and, um, you know, play our baseball from here on out. And, uh, I think that's going to get us in the playoffs. And, and, uh, once we're in, like I, I'd put money on us against anybody. You know, I think we, we could surprise some people. So, um, yeah, I think it's just about relaxing and, and playing the game from here on out, and it'll take us where it takes us. Hey, Daniel, really appreciate the time. Continued success. Uh, it, it's a wonderful story, but I now I, I now know that uh, you know it's beyond the story. It's about uh, being you know an elite uh, late inning guy, uh, which you obviously um, have been, and then continuing it. So sometimes uh, life throws us uh, the the curveballs, but you have uh, you've hit it out of the park, man. I. I Love the story, and I wish you nothing but the best in the future. Man, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. That was Drew. You do great interviews, and you got a lot, get a lot of big names. I mean, there's so many reasons to love that interview, obviously, with the, the great story that he is. And it, I liked how you started the interview of like, okay, do you feel like you're kind of tired of talking about that it's such a great story? But I, he was very honest, um, kind of took you behind the curtain of somebody that suffers from that. And I, I loved everything that he had to say about it. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan now. If he had just gotten back Julie and was on a big league roster, unbelievable victory for him. Mm -hmm. The fact that he is an elite back end guy again, and and that's not an embellishment. He's four for four saves as, as we chat this afternoon. He, is ninety eight ninety nine with a with a, with a fastball that's hard to hit anyhow at ninety eight ninety nine but has great movement on it tremendous slider he now has struck out twenty hitters and walked three wow the walks not even I, I told him you heard him in the interview the irony is here's a guy that battled all of a sudden command and control and now he couldn't even play mm-hmm. catch and I don't worry about a walk with with him he's going to throw strikes he fell behind a hitter today three and zero. Oh. Came, came all the way back and struck the guy out. I think he's done a lot with, learned a lot about coping issues, right? And so he had this quote in the interview that I thought was really interesting when he said, we're just putting too much pressure on ourselves and it really is about relaxing. Like he's had to learn those lessons and put, and he said in the interview, he put a lot of hard work into it. That to me really resonated because he's got so much to share with the Nolans that, you know what, maybe it's, Maybe he can teach him some of his mechanisms for dealing with those. Not that no one's afraid of the big moment. He's not. But there's little things he could do 
to maybe, you know, we make all, it easier. We all can learn from it. We yeah. all can learn from it. Do you remember ever hearing people who maybe don't publicly speak for a living or maybe they're new to public speaking and getting in front of a crowds and one of the tools was imagine that everybody's naked out there. I do it all the time. Do you? Mm-hmm. Not even when I'm public speaking. Right. Well, I know. You're just, I know you're, Wait, what is it? <laughs> um, I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? To, to kind of make yourself laugh. Right. Kind of may lighten the mood and realize the world's not going to come to an end if I misspeak right. for a moment, that sort of thing. And, and, and slowing it down. He didn't share all the tools, but he, but he has them and they are clearly working for him. Mm-hmm. And Julie, I want to give you some context. There have been some famous pitchers through the years that all of a sudden dealt with the yips where they, they can't throw the ball where they want anymore. Well, this is major league baseball. You can't play. You can't play at any level if you can't throw the ball where you want it. Steve Blass, who was a wonderful pitcher back in the seventies with the Pirates, they called it they called it Steve Blass disease. He's been a longtime broadcaster with the Pirates and he had, he had to leave the game. Rick Ankeel, famously, mm-hmm. I mean, he was throwing the ball literally up the backstop. You I felt remember. terrible for him. Yeah. I'm not talking about, oh, that's a couple inches off the plate, ball three, another couple inches off the plate, ball four. Julie, he's throwing the ball 15, 20 feet I up remember. the backstop, I remember? remember? That, yeah. he, he was a wonderful story because he ends up coming back as a really good outfielder and, and a very good hitter. Mm-hmm. Nope. I couldn't, I can't tell you another name of a guy that has overcome the yips and gotten back to the big leagues on the mound. And then to have the kind of success that, I want to say this young man, but he's 35, is having, it's an extraordinary story and good for the Rockies for giving him an opportunity. And now you can see him going forward, hopefully, as a member of the Rockies' bullpen in, in the coming seasons. He's got not only good stuff on the mound, but he's got a lot He's like a player coach, or maybe I don't know because I, I don't. We don't know that, right? Because we don't get no, a chance to. He's a grown up man. Yeah, he's, he's got. Grown wi- up. He's he's got wisdom. You'd hope he'd be a grown up just by the mere fact that he's thirty five in that well, clubhouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in in talking to him for this interview, in hearing him on a couple of other occasions on on those wonderful Zoom calls, um, he he has to have universal respect, certainly in the Rockies clubhouse. But throughout the game, and every believe me, everyone is rooting for Daniel Bard unless you're in the box against him. Speaking of mental health, you know what can make you feel a lot better, Drew, and that it's winning money, which you can do at Monarch Casino Resort and Spa in Blackhawk. You had a chance to catch up with Nick Epstein, who is the sports book manager at Monarch Casino Resort and Spa, and he told you how to do just that. Joined by Nick Epstein, who's a sportsbook manager at Monarch Casino and Resort up in uh, up in the in the foothills. It's not far. Quick little drive. Anyhow, Nick, first of all, man, how you doing? Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, listen, things are busy. There's a confluence of uh, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, college football uh, is on the horizon. The NFL is naturally on the horizon. But before we get into all the particulars. Tell us about why your app, Bet Monarch, is so easy and uh, so user friendly. Definitely, with Bet Monarch, you can download it on the Apple App Store, and for Android devices, you can download it through our website, MonarchBlackhawk.com. And the big thing about our app is it is an, we are an independent book. We do not use a third party 
And what that means is better odds for the better. And you can also earn comps to our beautiful property up here in Blackhawk, Colorado. Which is, which is awesome. And all you have to do is go online and take a look at the amenities they have. And uh, you're going to want to go up there, spend a weekend and uh, and have a little bit of fun. Let's talk Rockies first. Rockies made a couple of moves uh, during the trade deadline. Kevin Pillar, who uh, I love, he's a real gamer. They pick him up from Boston. Michael Gibbons has always been a very solid late inning um, guy. Does that, does that get people excited uh, in your end of the world? Definitely. The Rockies, uh, the Rockies are right there. Uh, they have had struggles in the last couple of weeks, but, uh, but, uh, everyone around here is loyal and these two pickups are key. Pilar is a veteran guy. He knows how to play defense. He's a good teammate and, uh, I think he'll help the roster a lot. And Givens, um, is especially good at his craft, which is shutting down hitters in the late innings. And that's what the Rockies have needed in these past couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's so many things going on here locally. You know, as we tape this, the, the Nuggets have forced a game seven. Uh, the Avalanche came storming back to force game six. So a lot of excitement in those uh, with those particular teams and, and in those two particular sports right now. Yes. The, the month of August was an absolute home run. We, we will never see an August like that ever again. Uh all three sports all day long. It felt like it felt like I was a kid again, uh, starting at ten eleven AM all the way up until ten eleven PM. All three sports, all three local sports especially. And uh I can't wait for the game seven tonight against the uh, Jazz. Hey Nick, what what are the most popular bets that you guys receive? Uh right now it is definitely the Rockies total over the total. Uh for instance, every baseball game has a line total, so anywhere from 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 runs. And uh, lately, the Rockies have been going way over, and, uh, and the, betters, uh, the betters can't get enough of it, definitely. And I would think the same thing right now in the NBA, particularly the way the Nuggets have scored. Oh, absolutely. The Nuggets have had 14 games since the restart. They are 13-1 to the over, and uh, – Obviously, tonight is uh, do or die game seven against the Jazz, and uh, it's uh, it's lined at two sixteen and a half right now on the Bet Monarch app. Hey Nick, I, I'm sure you do this quite a bit. Are there certain games or or certain matchups as you look toward the weekend that really intrigue you? Definitely, I actually love the Tampa Bay Lightning to win their Eastern Conference Finals. They're either going to be playing the New York Islanders, who are up on the Flyers right now, or if the Flyers come back. It'll be the Flyers, but I'm assuming it's going to be the Islanders, but uh, it's going to be Tampa Bay Lightning representing the East in the NHL Finals. It's hard to bet against Tampa Bay. The regular seasons they've had the last couple of years, and of course, a tremendous disappointment last year when they were the top seed and they uh, got eliminated. So you know all your sports, man, baseball, hockey, football, basketball, it's all, it's all converging right now. Hey, tell people one more time, Nick, how they can download the app and again, why it's so convenient. Definitely. You can always come up to Blackhawk if uh, if you're up here to download it. It is the Bet Monarch app on Apple devices. You can go to the App Store, download and register. Or if you have an Android device, you can always go to our website, monarchblackhawk.com, and uh, you'll be all set. And I'll be up here in Blackhawk if you ever want to come up and talk sports and uh, and get started. 
Hey, Nick, that sounds awesome. One more thing. You guys are, are, are doing a couple of new projects with restaurants and, and hotel expansion. Can you quickly give me a, a thumbnail sketch of what's happening? So it's real exciting up here right now. We are about to open up a beautiful hotel with over 500 rooms, new restaurants, a big steakhouse. I can't wait for our players to come up and enjoy what we have to offer up here in Blackhawk. It's going to be a great fall and winter season with football, baseball, basketball, hockey, and our beautiful resort up here. Well, that sounds great, Nick. We appreciate the love, and uh, we know you guys have some wonderful things going on up there in the present, not just, uh, as you mentioned, uh, shortly down the road. We'll talk to you soon, Nick. Have a great week. Thanks, Drew. We'll talk to you next month. Again, it's the Bet Monarch app. Grab it. Head up to Blackhawk. I mean, they have a beautiful, beautiful property up there, and they're just expanding it, as you heard from Nick. Hey, I want to bring something up hockey-related. Uh, I'm all in on the Avs, and as we tape this, uh, coming up, big game six. Keep our fingers crossed um, that, that the Avs can keep it going. I love four goals in less than two minutes or whatever that was the other night. That was awesome. But, um, Julie, one of the problems I've always had with hockey, this goes way back, okay. is the silliness with how injuries are reported. For instance, somebody gets decapitated. Yeah. Betty. Is that an upper body injury? That would be an upper body injury. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it, it's almost like Monty Python. Oh, it's a mere flesh wound, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's stupid. And the reason I've been thinking about this is unfortunately, Gruby, Grubauer's out with a groin injury. He has left the bubble in Edmonton. He's 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 done for the for the remainder of the playoffs. It's a huge blow to the avalanche. I'm not making light of it. Eric Johnson. I mean, Bednar, Coach Bednar came out and said he's done also. God, he has a broken guy. foot. I know. But it's like lower body injury or the newest one was unfit to play. Yeah. You never want unfit to play. Does that no, mean No, I mean, was he hammered the night before <laughs> and now he's, he's just hung over. He's unfit to play. You, what does that mean? I don't even know. Why can't we say, yeah, he's got a broken friggin' foot. He's done. Hockey is very secretive like that, even though it's interesting because every reporter that's there knows. But they're doing a disservice to the fans. I mean, you can say, well, what difference does it make? He's not playing. Well, let me know that he's not playing. Why he's not playing? Every other sport tells you. The NFL doesn't, you know, when a guy has a knee injury, they don't tell you that, you know, he, he has, um, you know, a migraine headache or he has yeah. a. It all comes from, though, that they don't want, if you say he's got like a right ankle sprain in hockey, you specifically go for the right ankle. Out of all the sports, even though you probably do that in football, you, that's what the other team will do. So it's all in this, trying to. That's fine. But I, I understand that. But here's here's how stupid it is. Okay. All we need to do is turn on the tape when Julie, you know, got tripped, ch got tripped or got slashed and mm -hmm. hobbles off and is favoring their right leg. We know it's a right leg injury of some kind. Can so I, I, I just find it. Can I tell you, this silly. reminds me. Um, do you remember the Nuggets player that got shot? Was it Julius Hodge? I remember what Julia, the name Julius Hodge. I don't remember that he I hope got shot. I didn't shot. say that he got shot. Yeah, I mean, let's, <laughs> I mean, let's be shot. accurate here, Julia, right? That's uh, Julie Brownman. If there's going to be any sort of yes, legal yes, uh, he, yes. proceedings. So this, this happened in April of 2006. So this is when I worked for Altitude, which is owned by Stan Kroenke, who owns the Nuggets. And we could not say that I was doing silence at the time. We could not say that he'd been shot. We had to say it was a contusion. 
Wait, was it public knowledge, though, that he had yes, been Yes, that's why it was so terrible. It'd be like, I don't, I think I had to do a report on it. Like, you know, Julius Hodges out, he's got a contusion. Everybody's like, he got shot, Brownman. Yeah, that's but dumb. That's it was dumb. the dumbest. And what, what, who are we protecting? I mean, well, I, if it's already public knowledge. And that's one thing. If nobody knows what happened and it right. was a private thing, I understand that. Yeah. I do understand that. But we're talking about injuries in the course of playing, which is I what I was referencing with hockey. Right. In the in this case of Julius Hodge, and I very vaguely remember it, if it's public knowledge that public, somehow yeah. he got shot and why he got shot, whatever, mm-hmm. and but he's coming back, but he's still out. I mean, right. why are we saying it's a contusion? He I don't know. he had a hole in his calf because <laughs> right. it's not he, funny, Brahman. Yeah, right. And right. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to make light of it. I guess I am a little bit. I don't get that. I don't know. It wasn't, I didn't put that on my resume tape. There's a lot of shit in sports I don't understand. There's a lot of shit in sports I don't understand. Um, all right. So I'll see you next week. Knock on everything we can that the Rockies had a good week and they're back in it, obviously, and that the Avalanche won against. Um, in- we didn't mention one hell of a win for the Nuggets. They were a little bit fortunate at the end, but to yeah. move on to face the, uh, the Clippers had- and come back from 3-1, to one, you yeah. hope the Avs are able to come back from their 3-1 original deficit against, against Dallas. Dallas. Yes, yeah, so have a great week. I'll see you next week. Yes, you will. Everybody have a great one. Bye.